Hello, welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a comics and pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and the bad cop to my good cop, Nick Protopapis. <laughs> okay, that's a good one, but I, I don't want to do that bit. Yeah, because... no, I, 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 I was not prepared for what it entailed. Nick, I, I, have, a, I have a story for you. Okay, story, yeah. <laughs> the other day, I was eating a bagel in this cafe that's on campus, and suddenly the guy, like this table over, starts playing a video on his phone. Uh, so I start hearing like these lightsaber sound effects and I assume he's like watching a movie or playing a video game or something. Um, and then his friend comes over and the guy on his phone is like, dude, this is so sick. I'm watching pirates of the Caribbean with lightsabers. Um, and they're both incredibly excited. And I'm like, okay, this is funny. This is a funny thing to happen. Um, and more and more of their friends start gathering around until it's like seven guys watching this small video on this phone. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And they're all just equally pumped about Pirates mm-hmm. of the Caribbean with lightsabers. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I'm walking away. One of them like yells. You're walking away? I'm walking away because I've Why wouldn't you walk bagel. towards it? Well, I, w- I, I was right next to them. Okay. I was right next to them. I observed the whole thing. Um, but not the video. No, not the video. Okay. I was, I was hearing about it secondhand, which I think makes it funnier. Um, mm. And uh, <laughs> one of the guys is just like, Dude, Davy Jones just cut those motherfuckers down. Uh, and uh, I, I just feel incredibly privileged uh, that I was able to witness that moment um, in those incredible people. Uh, yes. And, um, you know, I, I, I just admire what they were doing. And I, I hope that they're, they're finding great internet videos to sustain them in the future. That's, yeah, that's a really funny story. Thank you for sharing. Of course. Um, where do you keep your bagels? Do you have bagels in your home? I don't have bagels in my home right now. I guess I okay. would put them in the fridge. The fridge? Okay. Interesting. Because I've or had them I would, out. I would wrap them up. Yeah, they're wrapped. Yeah. But I had this problem this morning. They were in the freezer. And then I was like, okay, time to toast this bagel. But they're not sliced. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I should do is slice them and then freeze them. Yeah, that seems optimal. That move. seems ideal, yeah. Now that's my little dilemma. Not really a funny story, but so what did you bring? My thing is a comedy sketch show on Netflix. Um, it's called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. Uh, it has two seasons. It's not my favorite thing ever. Uh, I was kind of reaching for, for a, a, a thing this week, uh, but I think it's pretty funny sometimes. What's a sketch show? Does that mean there's just like different uh, like, bits with like similar actors? Saturday Night Live, basically. Okay. Um, but each episode is like 15 minutes long, so it's just a series of skits. And they all have Tim. They all have Tim Robinson. Uh, most of them have Tim Robinson. He's like the the, the creator, who, or who the might host, be potentially potentially the ugliest man to have a show with his name in it. <laughs> what? Who is this guy? Hey man, don't throw stones in glass houses. <laughs> He's looks like a goofball, to be fair, or a criminal. Either way. I think that's what makes him so adept at playing the various characters in this show. Um, mm-hmm. I guess the, the, the bit of this show is that every sketch kind of ends at a point where a character would be saying the phrase, I think you should leave. You know, the, the, the show kind of has it, it, its own 
distinctive brand of character where virtually every skit, there's a person who, who is willing to be disruptive or argumentative or draw attention to themselves uh, in a way that is entirely abnormal. And they, they use sort of that formula for like other characters to bounce off of them to create the comedy. Um, so there, there, there's, there's kind of an art to that. It sounds oddly restrictive on all fronts. You have to have Tim Robinson. You have to have someone annoying. You don't have to have Tim else... Robinson. Tim Robinson oh. is not in all of the skits. Oh, okay, that's that makes me uh, feel slightly better about this show. Yeah. Also, like they go off theme uh, sometimes. I'm just like explaining the pattern I've noticed in these sketches. Um, mm. Anyway, I think there is like an art to the way that this show places like these disruptive characters at the heart of a situation um, and then uses them as like the engine for, for the comedy in a skit. It's not, it's not the funniest show ever. I think there are like a few incredibly good sketches. Um, and then a lot of them I, I, I sort of tune out for, but it, it has made me laugh a good amount. And importantly, I think, I think it's made me pay attention to like a style of joke telling just because they, they employ this, uh, one formula so consistently. And I appreciate that, I guess. Also, Bob Odenkirk shows up in the second season, uh, which is cool. So he's He can be funny, right? He can be funny. He's pretty funny. Nice. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his, but I've never gotten into or seen a lot of his uh, comedy work. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. Maybe if you send me the best sketches, the ones maybe without Tim Robinson, the scary man. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd check that out. Yeah, I think... There's one great one where it's um it's like the second episode of the show where it's like this guy walking around the city and he's reacting just in awe to everything, uh, but he can only contextualize objects uh, with within the framework of what a motorcycle is. So he sees a motorcycle and he's like, great, a motorcycle. He sees a car and he's like, a motorcycle with a house between it? And then he sees a bus and his mind is absolutely blown. Um but then the skit elevates because he 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 beams up to a space station or a, a spaceship uh, where there are a bunch of people who are exactly like him. He's like, guys, they have motorcycles down there, uh, and they all beam down, uh, and and they are just astonished by by everything on Earth. Um, and I think that's one of my favorite skits. That's really funny. I think. <laughs> oh man. Okay, Joe, moving on from your stupid thing that I am not convinced is good. Um, I have one of the I have one of the best things ever for you this week and okay. it's it's a movie and it's truly, truly one of my favorite movies. I would give it a ten out of ten and I would give it even bonus points because it's three hours long and it's not boring. It is Anatomy of a Murder. I don't know if you've heard of it. I hadn't until a week ago. But it's a courtroom drama film, my second favorite genre. Mm-hmm. And it's directed by Otto Preminger, who I've never heard of before, but he's he's a big director. He's won some Academy Award for Best Director, stuff like that. Um, and it's based on a book who, which was written under a fake name, but it was by a Supreme Court justice, which is kind of cool. Um, and so basically, it's the, the whole film is more or less one court case with a little setup before, you know, the lawyer talking to the, the, the accused, I guess. Um, and it stars uh, James Stewart, which you might know from, you know, Vertigo, stuff like that. He's quite, 
he's a very like old like he's probably the face I think of when I think of like old movies. <laughs> and this is a, this is a pretty old movie. This is from '59, mm-hmm. um, but it's like not at all boring at all, not even a little. So it's like okay, here's the, here's the setup. So one dude, which I forgot his name, is basically he killed this other guy for raping his wife. Okay, which is like okay, first of all, that's like pretty crazy for this for the '50s, I think. And it, this movie is like very casual about it. I don't want to say casual, like it's not not a big deal, but it's like. It doesn't hide anything and it doesn't try to censor stuff, which I think is great. Um, and I guess that comes from sort of, I, I suppose, what is a more realistic courtroom. And so James Stewart is the is the scrappy lawyer who's good at everything. And he convinces this, this accused guy who's definitely killed him because we hear him say that in the beginning. Um, he's talking to his lawyer and he's like, yeah, I just went up and I killed him. Isn't that right? Isn't that just? And James Stewart's like, maybe you were temporarily insane. And he's like, mm, maybe I was temporarily insane. Um, and that's kind of what they run with. And so you're kind of in this weird position where the good guy, the lawyer, is you, you're set up to root for him in a huge way. And he has the surprise witness and he has the underdog case and he goes around investigating things. You understand the, the classic classic setup. But it's, it's weird because from the beginning, you know that he's defending a murder to some extent. You know, so that's that's kind of the setup, and b- beyond that, it kind of goes as like any good moments of like a courtroom drama go. It's got all the like ups and downs. It's got all the surprise witnesses. Yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, Duke Ellington apparently did the soundtrack, which I didn't know until I looked it up, and he was in it at some point, which I I did not catch, but that's that's cool. So look out for that if you do watch it. I really really highly recommend this. I think I think it's just like one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like it's. It's, it's well written. There's kind of a funny aspect because um, James Stewart is like a, he kind of creates a ruckus. He's trying to like cloud up the case because he doesn't have much to go off of. So he like, he starts accusing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the other lawyers of like muddying up the case, concealing evidence. He kind of just starts yelling about random things to sort of try and sway the jury. Um, and there's a good quote from this movie, which I don't exactly remember, but you know, those moments where he says something, and then the, the judge is like, oh, the jury will forget they heard that. And then he goes to sit down, and the accused guy is like, how, how can a jury forget what they already heard? And he whispers to him, they can't. And that's kind of the whole thing about this movie. It's like how the justice system can be manipulated um, in this you know, totally charismatic way that you probably, the viewer, end up rooting for as well. Um, and how it, you know, it really comes down to the jury a lot of the time. Um, and how that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of weird. Um, I mean, it's not, not weird, but it's, it's just an interesting look at it. Um, and I think what's most unique to this movie for me, cause like I enjoyed it and it's like kind of the original, some cliches that you see a lot, but so what's really unique about this movie to me is the way you're positioned, uh, as an audience member. And like, you're not really sure who you're supposed to root for. You're not really sure like what it's trying to say it kind of just sets you down in a very real setting um and shows how you could be swayed like as like if you were a jury member you know by this charismatic lawyer um and how sort of justice Mm -hmm. doesn't really happen here anyways it's, it's interesting it's a lot to think about i don't think i've thought it all out um especially the finer points but it's it's super entertaining and i'd, I'd like to know what you think of it it's a great great movie yeah, I mean, I am. I'm very persuaded to watch it. Um, I am concerned about it being three hours long, but I, I, I will. 
I was also, I was also, I started and I didn't stop. I just, cause like even shorter movies, I stop sometimes like a lot for a snack or like, just like stretch, but like, mm-hmm. I don't think I stopped for this one. I was like, after like half an hour, once you get into the courtroom, it's, it's over. It's just very entertaining. I, I've never seen something quite like that for a three hour movie, but yeah, definitely. Except for Endgame. Endgame is three hours. Is Endgame three hours? <laughs> Endgame All right, is this is the Endgame of courtroom of court dramas. <laughs> oh man. Anyways, um Yeah, that's interesting. Avengers Endgame isn't even a movie that I like love, but I it's very watchable right. for a three hour movie. No, this that's is definitely really watchable. Um, definitely, definitely. Probably the most watchable old movie I've ever seen, maybe. Like black and white, let's mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh the I'm so I'm looking on Wikipedia. The American Bar Association loves this movie. Do they really? <laughs> What does it yeah, even mean? Uh, it, it's it's been I, I I don't know or what is no, it what does mean? it mean that the bar loves it? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, they like they like teach this. They use this as a teaching tool. Oh really? Law school. Um, it must be really accurate. I can't really speak to that, but like, yeah, I think I think the idea is that lawyers who see, who see this movie uh, think that it is an incredibly realistic depiction. And they get all the rules and stuff, right? Wow, that's interesting. Um, that seems to be yeah. my understanding. It's also funny. It's actually a really funny movie. I forgot to mention that. It's like he's like he's so like funny in the courtroom. They st- he starts making fun of the other lawyers because they have two on the other side, and he he says things like, "Oh, as long as you guys don't bring a third lawyer to," and he says things like, oh, "I'm just a poor little country lawyer against these two big big shots." You know, and it's like pretty funny. Or like the judge, the judge at one point is like. Oh, you may be used to judges who fall asleep and don't pay attention, but you'll find that if I fall asleep, I'm very easily awakened by a snap or a clap. I thought that was really funny. Um, anyways, yeah, let's let's move on to our main thing, but I think you should definitely watch this. Uh, yeah. Nick, uh, let me tell you something. 2.17 p.m. on December 6, 1992, a new type of bomb exploded over the metropolitan area of Japan. I thought I had the rest of this, the, the opening thing written down. I didn't. I thought you were going to say memorized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what happened. World War Three. Bomb, bomb, bomb. World War Three. World War Three happened. Uh, and then this really cool comic book happens. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Akira is a very famous manga series following the adventures of a a teenage motorcycle gang in a post-World War III Neo-Tokyo. In particular, we follow our protagonists Tetsuo and Kaneda uh, as they discover that that Tetsuo has strange psychic powers uh, and and is being hounded by a a secretive government. And and, uh, meanwhile, Kaneda gets involved with an underground rebel organization uh, to get his friend back and find out the truth. Um, and also Tetsuo turns evil somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, Akira has <laughs> a lot of different versions. I'm reading from the, the, the 2010 Dark Horse printing. I don't, I don't know if there's a more recent printing in America. I, I, I don't know what's up with the, the print situation for this book. Um, anyway, I think this comic's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome, Joe. Remember when you were anti-Akira? I was, I, so here's, here's my situation. I've seen the Akira movie, which is beautifully animated, uh, but I don't think it makes that much sense oh, <laughs> in terms okay, of the storyline. Um, basically, the, the Akira movie um, takes 
probably this first volume and then truncates what I assume is the next five volumes of story into like half an hour. Um, and it doesn't make sense. It's beautifully animated, but I don't think it makes sense. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's that's interesting because it, it's the same guy, right? Yeah, I think I think it's um, the same cartoonist as like the the he was also the director of the movie. Yeah, Otomo, right? He's yeah. He was, I think he was the, Otomo. I think he wrote it. I think he directed it. I think he even storyboarded it. Um, so he was super involved. So that's interesting that it sucks. Or that you says I, I don't. I don't think it sucks. Uh, okay, I just. Okay. I, I. I think it's a weird movie. Um, I think there's a note in here that says like he didn't use assistance when he was making this book, which is incredible to me. Based on like the the. I don't know if that's true, but it, like based on the level of fidelity here, it's like, you know, it's really astonishing. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a nice looking book. I always liked it. I read it when I was way younger. I don't think I ever finished the series, so this is like slightly a reread for me, at least the first volume. Um, but I don't know where it goes from here. So I really, the first thing I like a lot is how clear it is um, and how cool the action looks. Mm-hmm. And those are my two first things that you get right off the bat with the motorcycles zooming all over the place over New, New Neo Tokyo. Um, and yeah, I think I think the sort of early setup of the characters as these like bad boy punks like who just don't care it's like kind of kind of cartoonish kind of familiar but like serves for some good comedy and you know before the the plot sets in heavier it's like a good base point to have the characters at and i actually actually really enjoy their sort of bad boy personas yeah i i do too i i actually think like you know i i've probably said this before i i I often find that like humor from like other languages or other cultures doesn't really translate well, at least for me. Um, and, and I, I've thought Akira was very funny in certain moments <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that like the, the cartooning is like so crisp and clear, you know, like I think, I think I, in my head, I was comparing it to Nausicaa, which is just like a very different style. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think it's interesting because like, you know, obviously, uh, both of the creators are, are also directors for animation. Um, and I, I think I maybe felt like the, the, the clarity of motion here more than I did with Nausicaa. Um, I think so, yeah. Like, he, he just has... Otomo has, like, a very clear sense of the page. Like, I never felt like anything was crowded. I always felt like I understood completely, like, where the characters were and, like, what was happening with the action. And it's also dynamic. Yeah, I think he's done a lot of mangas before. Um, so I think that's where it's kind of coming from. Because this, you know, you, you come into this book and it, it doesn't have a lot of what, you know, first volumes have where it, it doesn't kind of slip up at all in the beginning, at least. Like, I think it's going to get stronger for sure. But mm-hmm. it, it's it's really, I think, quite a feat to start off a book and have your characters who aren't that well established work for like, humorous situations and have incredible clarity in what's going on and i i don't know i just i find that to be pretty impressive honestly yeah me Uh, too like it starts from the word go and it's already great (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I also like how kind of concise it is like i feel like it's like Mm -hmm. what like two three pages and you're like okay world war three happened like motorcycle gang like i get it like i'm with it um yeah so i think i there's, there's sort of an incredible speed to this whole first volume um that is uh kind of 
super fun and entertaining, but also one of my issues with with reading this. Um, mm -hmm. But I, even in the plot, I feel there's not only like constant action, like well drawn action. Obviously, uh, the stakes I feel are constantly elevating. Like it, when I was reading it, it felt always like I was um, sort of in an in a in a like end of episode kind of high stakes moment, if that makes sense, like at all times. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is kind of which kind of fun. Um, like every, like from the moment that the plot really kicks off, there's not a lot of slow moments, uh, which is cool. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I I agree, and I also think like I, I guess we've talked about the action a lot, but I, I I think it's it's notable how many scenes there are in this book that like have the potential to play out similarly. Like there are so many bike chases, but I I feel like all of them are are so distinctive. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm just blown away. <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's fair. So basically, what happens is um, Tetsuro gets he sees like a like a dude in the middle of the street when they're biking, and he explodes because well he steers out of the way and he gets into an accident. Um, and sort of the more interesting thing about this is that the the person who was in the street is like this ghostly sort of supernatural being, uh, and so when you know, they start investigating this being, they get wrapped up, like you were saying, with this like secret science organization, or I guess it's a military something. Uh, it's kind of still mysterious. And it seems that they've been experimenting with people. And now these, these sort of ghostly white looking people have incredible powers, um, including Tetsuo, because they sort of take him away and no one knows where he is for a bit when he's in the hospital. Mm -hmm. What did you... So so he, like, goes back and forth a lot between, like, the hospital and back to school. Uh, at least in, like, the beginning of this book where it's like, oh, Tetsuo's back. Oh, he's leaving again. Oh, he's back. Uh, I thought that was a bit weird, pacing-wise. Yeah, 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 there's a weird... That I think that's the thing I was talking about because there's this weird sort of... I haven't, didn't even have time to think about that a lot or, like, where he was at any given moment. Mm -hmm. um, because he goes back and that's sort of a dramatic moment because it's like, oh, he's back. And then the government guys come to check on him again, even though he was sort of free. And it's, it's very confusing about when, why would they, why would they send him back if they were just going to experiment on him again? Right? Yeah. Um, but they're saving the experiment for when Akira, no, not Akira, sorry. What's his name? Kaneda? When Kaneda is going to be doing an action-y thing with the, with the sort of rebel organization. They sort of save it for that. So there's this kind of constant bouncing instead of like one elevation until you get to a certain point in the plot, which is how regular things go, I guess. This is like every chapter has like, like a moment of like, the stakes are the highest ever, and then they sort of have to go down a little, and then they keep going up and up and up. And so this sort of like, this sort of like, constant energy so that, i think that's part of that one when he's going back to school and then going back to the hospital and then he comes out and then he's like evil suddenly it's like i don't know it's kind of it's a little randomness i feel yeah that's like my other big complaint about my my really much bigger complaint about the book is like and this is something in the movie too that i kind of hoped would be resolved in the book which is tetsuo just kind of turns evil because they experimented on him um and i i, I guess it's like implied that at, at, at certain points that he was angry at 
Kaneda. Um, but we don't really get much on that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that'll be later volumes, but it definitely feels not, not, you know, uh, forced, but definitely, or, or even out of left field, but like contrived, I guess. It's, it's a little unimportant because we don't know what their dynamic is in the first place. Yeah. Like, so like this, we, they have turn like, doesn't, two yeah. lines together before Tetsuo is, is injured and goes to the hospital. So um, like we get that they're friends cause they keep telling us, but we don't really care or know what that means, except that a Kaneda yeah. won't, won't kill him in a certain order, won't fight him the same way in a certain instance. Yeah. I think there are like there there's like a line or two that that kind of imply uh this emotional sense where where Kaneda and like the 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 rest of the gang like I guess they grew up without any like real support system um and they they're like you know basically powerless in their society so they're kind of lashing out by becoming the spiker gang um and, and and so I guess I guess Tetsuo becoming evil kind of reads as him trying to get back at the powerful once he's acquired like any sort of power. Um, and I guess the the to him like that's Kaneda because Kaneda was like the leader of their biker gang. Um, but it, but it's, yeah, sure. it, it's like I don't know. I'm basically writing fan fiction when I say yeah, that. You, exactly. You can put you can put whatever you want into it because. You can. I could say, you know, oh, well, once he has the magic powers to explode people's heads, then, um, you know, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. I could also say that you could say anything, you know. Yeah, those are like equally valid readings because there's, yeah. there's nothing to it. Um, <laughs> Which is fine. You it's know. fine. I, it is something that frustrates me, though, when I, when I think about like the, the interplay of the characters, because I think we are supposed to care about the relationship. Uh, given that it's like the main conflict, um, yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, like Kaneda, like, what do you what do you feel about Kaneda, our, our hero? Like, um, do you like him? Do you feel he's interesting to you? Yeah, I I, I like him. I, I I mean, I I I like his attitude. I think he's like you know he can come off as a jerk uh, in certain moments. Like the, there's that scene where like you know it appears that he's like trying to force himself on that girl K, but then like, he's actually like stealing her keys or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is like, okay, man. <laughs> but, well, that wasn't, that wasn't really out of character, honestly. I was like, no, yeah, it wasn't. Was. But like, you know, that's the kind of guy he is. Um, and then there's yeah. like, you know, what the, the nurse at the school who's like having sex with. Um, and then she's like, Kaneda, I'm pregnant. And he's like, can I watch you have it? And he's like, who is this guy? That was hilarious. Guy? That was so funny. <laughs> no, it's oh, funny, man. but like, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, for, for real. I don't know. Um, um, I don't so know. He, kinda, he's he's yeah. interesting, for sure. I think so, too. I, I think it's sort of uh, funny enough and interesting enough that, you know, I root for him, but I, I really, really would like to see him change. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. There's, there's sort of an interest there, and I think as the plot kind of evolves and the mystery keeps going, I think that you know you're definitely going to get more serious with this guy. So, I think it's a it's a solid hook, at least for me. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, the other members of the gang are whatever. I don't care. Yeah, about that. I guess I guess we're supposed to care about Yamagata because he dies, but I, mean, I don't care. We don't we don't know anything about him. <laughs> They're, you uh, know what they're like, Joe? What are they like? <laughs> they're not just like them. They're probably the same exact characters as the um, the elf gang from Elf Quest. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I think they're the same Yo, characters. Yo, man, you're my my boy Tree Stump. You're talking about my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not Tree Stump. Everyone else though is sort of just they're actually the same. They're actually the exact same drawings. You just couldn't tell because mm. you had forgotten. <laughs> You what just look like from Elfquest. Actually, I uh, something I do really like is like early on in the book, especially we get all these scenes where uh, the different gang members are kind of standing in a line uh, and they're they're hanging out or whatever, um, and they all look so individual, even though most of them do not have names. <laughs> uh, That's true. And I, I thought that was like really striking. Just all these, you know, basically background characters have like so much personality. Yeah, for now, um, for now, for now, for now. Um, for now. I guess speaking of which, like I, I really like the scenes at the school. Me too. There's like there's there's one at the beginning um, where they're in class, um, and there are like these two separate arguments going on between do, two different sets of characters, um, and the dialogue starts overlapping between the conversations and the panels. Um, it's really cool, um, and, and it's kind of like a cinematic technique that I, I I don't think I had considered could be done in comics in like quite this way since like each conversation is holding equal attention in your brain, it's not like, you know, one of them you're supposed to pay attention to. And then one of them, you just kind of disregard. They're both important and they both like lead up to the climax of the scene. Um, I think it, I, I think that scene like was excellent. Um, and I don't know, they, the stuff like that just, which is all over this book makes the, the characters in the world just feel so alive. Yeah. I think that's definitely true. Uh, there's a good, um, that was a good scene with the teacher who's sort of trying to gain control of the classroom and the class is mm -hmm. just too crazy. I thought that was funny. And like you're saying, there's two arguments there, but then also when they all start leaving the classroom, the professor is still like sort of talking to himself. Um, it's very fun. And I definitely feel grounded there uh, away from sort of the action and the plot. And I, I got to that feeling pretty quickly because obviously there's not a lot of time there. So I, mm -hmm. I do value that. And I think you're, I think you're right. I think yeah, there's a good, I think I think the, the, the really cool thing about this book is just like immediately it comes alive in front of you um, in a way that honestly like few other comics do. Um, yeah. Just like and it keeps, it keeps the energy, I feel. It keeps the energy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I like, don't I'm one, so excited to read more. Yeah. One, one person I don't like is, um, I, I forgot her name, the girl. The Kay? girl character. Yeah, I don't like, like her. The, the rebel? Yeah, I don't like. I don't like. I don't like what how she. What's not to like? <laughs> I, I don't like how she keeps getting embarrassed and like tricked and like just like, you know, she's just kind of there to be a love okay. interest or something. And I feel like they're trying to be like, oh, she's not that. Like she has like, she's a cool rebel. Like she doesn't actually do cool rebel things. She just gets tricked by like a teenage boy, mm -hmm. a lot, I... like, three or four times. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I just like I didn't even think about her because there's not much to her right now. Um, I've I've heard I think that she gets more going on. Uh, That'd be cool. So, yeah, yeah, especially since this book is very dude heavy. Yeah, it's pretty dude heavy. Uh, I like I like the mystery um, and the, the sort of the the mystery and history sort of colliding. I feel like all those scenes would like the government dude and like the the scientist, like the evil, the evil scientists, like those are like always like a little bit interesting. Cause I feel like they always reveal a little something. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, that kind of also has me hooked. I feel those, there's a few other things that I kind of like just like as ideas, 
Like I feel like the 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 experiment dudes with numbers, like the the ghost guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they sort of have all this unlimited power, but they're constantly in pain. And the way that they're controlled by the government is that they're like basically addicts to like a drug that the government developed because um, they need it to like get rid of the pain. Uh, and I thought that was like really interesting when it sort of happened at the end for Tetsuo. I was like, damn, that makes sense. Cause like, it doesn't have to depower him to like show how another person has power over him. It's sort of like almost a character thing. Like mm-hmm. why other people have power over him. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, like maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know if they did it on purpose. Like if they developed the drug on purpose for like, that's the plan to control them, but maybe cause that's how they got the first escaped guy back. Right. More or less. And that's how they're planning to control Tetsuo. Like, so that I, I don't know. I think that's an interesting dynamic. And I hope, I, I hope that it kind of does interact with the world the way that like an addict might, because I feel like that's an interesting character dynamic to put to this like super powerful villain class. Okay. That, that's interesting. Yeah. I think that, I, I, I think that would be cool. Yeah. Um, cause like, I almost thought at the beginning when Tetsuo was like becoming evil that like part of the reason was because he was in so much pain that he needed the relief. But then mm-hmm. even after he gets the relief, he's kind of like evil. So, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Likes- right now, right now, one of the great mysteries in my life is why did Tetsuo turn evil? <laughs> there must be a, a, a further explanation. It's not narratively satisfying. Yeah, I don't know. I like that his head gets bigger. I do <laughs> That's too. Funny, <laughs> and I, I really like the bikes. I feel like they're really cool design. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I, also I don't like, know what is it. What is Akira? That I don't understand. Um, Akira seems to be the, uh, as far as I can tell, it is a mystery at this point. But I think, I think it is supposed to be the name of the telekinetic power that Tetsuo and the other. Uh, Experiments tap into. That's it. No way. It's definitely more than that. Because remember, I think it's definitely part... it's definitely more than that. Because I, I, yeah, I think, I think that... a lot of characters who in that situation should know what it is are also confused by it. Right, right, right. right. Um, True. So I think I think there's a there's a building mystery, um, which I am compelled by. Yeah, because Kaneda gets that vision, like a like of him as a ghost. Right. Well, it's not a vision. Other people can see it. And the ghost is like Akira. Right. <laughs> says some other stuff. <laughs> um, so I kind of, I thought he was maybe going to be the chosen one, but mm-hmm. um, we'll yeah, see. I don't know yet. I feel like he's the chosen one. Who knows though? <laughs> uh, we'll see. I thought it was interesting that um, Tetsuo could get shot. Yeah. So like, I guess, I guess his powers are just like, you know telekinetic right yeah i think so um we'll see because <laughs> you know he was getting shot at in the beginning and he sort of just deflected it but then Kaneda shot him and it worked so maybe i don't know that's that's kind of just an interesting maybe he has powers or maybe he just didn't deflect it you know yeah i i, I think it's probably the latter yeah the art style is kind of kind of reminds me of like mobius almost it's like really 
interesting. Mm. Um, yeah, I can definitely see that in like the landscapes, the way he draws like the city. Exactly, yeah, the city and like the shading on stuff, and like even like um, some of the panels where there's like not steampunk but like pipey like technology, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I guess um, it's I guess it's cyberpunk, right? Like that's the yeah yeah, but just the, the drawing style too, not just like what's going on. Yeah, um, it's not. It doesn't look like other manga. I feel. Yeah, I mean, also like the I I, I feel like. Not not that the characters are drawn super realistically, but they they do, you know they they could resemble real people, you know, um like they're they're not, like they do have cartoonier expressions, but like you know they 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 don't have unrealistic features. Um, there's like a a layer of groundedness to it that I think really helps sell the the whole world. And there's a little bit more. Um... Uh, diversity in the character design, I feel, because of mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just sort of the same face, like big eyes, you know, it's like a little rounded out a little more. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, for me, that makes it like way more readable, honestly. Because mm-hmm. I can tell who's talking. There's a little more personality in all the faces. It's it's a little, like a little more like, like Avatar, I feel, than like a regular like anime. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like the rounded noses, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Sort like, of, yeah. But yeah, it would be cool if it was in color. Yeah, so so actually, interesting thing about that. I think I've told you this before. Um, when Akira was... The, the very first English translation of Akira uh, was done by an imprint of Marvel Comics in the 80s. Um, and that version did have color. Um, and actually, like, really nice color, I think. Um but uh, Marvel no longer has the rights to this book, and I uh, don't think that version is really available anywhere now, <laughs> uh, which I think is a shame. Yeah, that is a shame. Yeah, I don't. But anyways, know. yeah, I'm excited to read more with you. I think this is gonna like build up really nicely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this do you was wanna, good. Do you want to maybe do more next week? Sure. Yeah, let's do let's it. Do, it. do you want to? Do our special thing? I think we should. Nick, uh, this week, as we do every week, we are talking about the fourth and final Adventure Time Distant Lands special. Oh, uh, yay. It's called Wizard City. Yeah, I really like this one. Uh, we kind of all missed the release date, so I'm assuming that anyone at home also did that. Uh, it came out like five, six days ago or something. Um and I watched it the day after, which I hadn't done so far. I don't know why mm-hmm. I missed it. I just saw the trailer, and I was like, it must be coming out in, like, two weeks. Um, I guess I was kind of getting sick of them. I, we've talked about all of them here, right? Uh, I think we've talked about most of them, probably. I think I don't know. Um, I think, for me, I definitely was getting sick of these. Uh, I, I guess my, my general opinion about the Distant Land specials is I think they are beautifully animated i think the the princess bubblegum and marceline one is is very solid uh and i think the the rest are like charming children's television but they don't really have like the same spirit as adventure time um oh interesting spirit really that's the word i guess so i i I think i don't know i I've, i've i've been trying to think about what it is i think there is Possibly a, a I, I guess the thing that adventure that Adventure Time could do, um, because it was not a series of specials, 
um, was just like leave elements and plot lines open-ended for years. Um, and they left a lot of open-ended plot lines at the end of the show too. Uh, and I think what that does is it makes Adventure Time able to imply a lot of things about characters and situations um, that in turn allow the show to like develop into something more nuanced in your head. Um, and I think these specials can't really do that because they're built around like telling a satisfying-ish narrative in 45 minutes. Um, and they basically don't really leave anything too open-ended. Um, but I think that also loses a lot of the magic of Adventure Time for me. I don't know. Um, okay, that's that's fair. Um, this one is about Peppermint Butler, which is like a little different from the other ones. Because it's... I, I kind of worked... This format worked a little better for me, if that makes sense. Because it feels almost like a like a spin-off instead of like a like longer continuation episode of something else. Um, yeah, it's almost like a, a pilot for a new show about Peppermint yeah, Butler. About Peppermint Butler, like learning magic in school. And so it's like very Harry Potter, obviously. Um, and that's kind of charming. And then it also has, like, I feel a lot of Adventure Time spirit. But like, mm. what, what I mean by that is humor, like characters returning, like, just general energy and like lesson at the end, I feel is very like on brand, like pretty wholesome, like some funny, really funny stuff happens on the way, like characters die unexpectedly, like, like <laughs> lots of cool character designs. Like for me, it was like a fun mashup of like basically Harry Potter. And like, um, I never really liked Peppermint Butler in general, but mm. I like this one. I like where he's like sort of an innocent little, little Peppermint Butler baby. And he's got this like darkness within him to like, um, try to like take him to the dark magic like i thought that was an interesting dynamic um and i like that he sort of rebirthed himself because do you remember there's that one episode of Notre time where pepper Butler is like literally a monster and like mutates someone's children yeah <laughs> yeah like i always watched that and i was like this is like they never like redeem him in any way or like try to explain <laughs> this like this is just an episode about raymond butler like basically uh, like committing this heinous like crime like for almost no reason like it's like it's just this it's it's i forget what this is called it's called like peacemaker or something uh that's definitely the guy he like ruins the life of um but in this one we sort of get baby pepper and my butler like refusing to be that evil person and i like actually really dug that and it's the first time that i think that i liked peppermint butler yeah i agree I, I i thought i thought this one was like probably the second best or even best of these specials um yeah. I thought it was very charming. Um, I laughed quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I thought it was really, 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 really funny. I laughed a lot. Like, yeah, I think the 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 name Abracadabra is very funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but there's a lot of like, there's a lot of good jokes in this one. Mm -hmm. I feel um, <laughs> like like <laughs> like when when his like rival like dies or something <laughs> his rival in school dies and he like <laughs> takes his place as the cool guy in school it's just like and the way that escalates where he's like i have to frame my teacher for this crime it's just <laughs> so like because it's like a baby person doing these evil things it's like really funny <laughs> i feel yeah um, um i think this I, one definitely made me feel better about the specials as a whole even though i've been you know kind of down on them yeah, I watched this one and I was like, oh, they're getting they're getting better because I always thought that the issue was kind of that it was longer than 
the, you know, mm -hmm. we're used to or they're used to. So keeping the engagement of it is, is like just a different animal, you know, like you have to write a different sort of story for 10 minutes and a different sort of story for 40 minutes. And so this was, I think this was definitely my favorite because I, th I think it, for me, it was like pretty perfect. Like it just, it was something different from Adventure Time. It worked better as like a, a longer format story, uh, but it still gave me that like charm that I was looking for without trying to be something it's not. And so like, it's a weird note to end on like that, like the last one was about like Finn and Jake and like the afterlife. And like, this one's about like, it's like a weird one. Cause it's supposed to be four and this is the last one. Um, so for me, that's like <laughs> kind of weird. Like, and there's also like an end credits scene in this one, which I told you about before you watched it, but like choose goose is like, I'm back and I'm evil. Like <laughs> it's <laughs> super weird. Oh, I also forgot. It was so funny in the beginning when the, this episode opens and Choose Goose dies. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, uh, that's actually one of my favorite <laughs> jokes in the episode. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Just anytime I see Choose Goose is pretty good. So yeah, um, I think yeah. I think this is definitely one of the ones where I was like, "Yep, Adventure Time's back. I'm back in like the the world of these characters, and I'm I'm enjoying it." I I, I guess I always felt because the first two specials were kind of off in their own little world. Um, and I, I, I guess uh, the Finn and Jake one also makes like kind of significant revisions uh, to stuff mm -hmm. um, where it just kind of feels like we're in another place, which I guess yeah. is like, you know, the theme of the, of the series. Mm -hmm, um, yeah. But this one, I was just like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back in this world and I appreciated that. Um, uh, yeah. I thought the animation was beautiful. It's probably like the, the prettiest of all of these specials. Um, I think, what else do I think? Um, I would have liked to see Huntress Wizard, um, but that is a, a simple boy complaint and she wouldn't have fit in anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. Listen, that's the thing about Adventure Time, I think you were saying in the beginning, is like there's all this open-endedness and like characters are introduced in one episode and you just love them. Like Huntress Wizard, mm -hmm. like who's that? Like that was like yeah. a side <laughs> background character who became like, Finn's love interest and now we're like excited for her like that's super cool and like like in this like it's it's like you're saying like the end of the show feels like there's a lot of stuff you could still explore um and that's kind of the thing about Adventure Time that I always say is like it's sort of world building through not like rules of magic or like even like like you know lore or anything like that it's more world building through like just tons and tons of side characters that you sort of know live in like a certain environment in ooh Mm -hmm. um and so because of that there's this like spill and overflow and this like totally like vibrant life to the world and I, I guess i guess when i was watching this one i was like i think what they should do with adventure time because they want to obviously make it a brand for hbo max like something they can spew content out of yeah I, which i'm not I, i'm not the biggest fan of but like you know do what you got to do <laughs> I'm, I'm not the biggest fan either i think what they shouldn't do is sort of what they were doing the first few specials which is like try to like revise things about main characters or like try to like do big events with them i think a better thing to do is sort of use the fact that adventure time is this like huge branch of like exciting characters um and just go with that like one of my favorite episodes of adventure time is, is root root beer guy yeah um, i mean didn't that did that win an emmy did root beer guy win an emmy if not it was robbed <laughs> um yeah because it's great and like root beer guy doesn't have a lot to do with Finn and Jake. I don't remember if they even appear. It's just like this candy dude doing his thing. And like, it has the charm, but like, it doesn't have to be about 
the main characters of the show. And that, that's what's so great. So I think, I think if I was in charge, I would, I would just do something like this, maybe 20 minutes, I don't know, whatever minute, it doesn't matter. And just like hang out with these like characters and like every once in a while, you know, you do a little thing, like maybe Huntress Wizard shows up and that's like a little bit more resolved, but like mainly just kind of like hanging out and ooh, because that's, that's what's cool about Adventure Time. Yeah, I I agree. I think I would probably prefer 11-minute segments just since it seems like that's the type of story that they are best attuned to telling. Yeah. Um, just since I think, you know, even this one, probably a bit long in the tooth. I think, like, all of these specials are kind of constrained by, like, especially Bimo, the first one, kind of feels very, like, beginner screenwriter where they're, like, trying to make it fit a narrative structure. Um, where it's just like, well, it's three act storytelling, and then we have to fit our story onto that perfectly. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. And I guess what I always admire about Adventure about Adventure Time is that the storytelling was so often so like freeform. Um, and I'd like to yeah. see a return to that. I, yeah, I feel. I mean, it's funny because you know there was the miniseries which go longer, and like that's that's forty minutes or more, but it's just mm-hmm. it's a different uh, format. Yeah, because those those still had I think eleven minute units of story within them exactly yeah yeah, Uh, yeah. like you could sit down and watch them as a movie um but they they didn't have to be so maybe Um, something like that anyways yeah we know they're doing a fiona and cake show yeah so i don't know i don't know Um, that sounds weird i'm I'm not interested in it i fiona fiona and cake was like you know a fun idea and then they did probably one or two episodes too many about it Uh, i didn't like the one where she was real (laughs) yeah <laughs> that was weird <laughs> uh yeah why don't they just do just just do peppermint butler in, in hogwarts it's so good that would be good for 10 minutes <laughs> i agree um i guess the, the, the thing about a fiona and cake show is like you know how substantively different is that from just like more adventure time with finn and jake you i don't know, know. I, i'm not into it they are the but... same characters <laughs> They're, they're a little different. They're a little bit different. <laughs> okay. I think that's enough of us talking about Adventure Time. Should I? Yeah, obviously, you and I can talk about Adventure Time for hours. Yes. <laughs> um, I think it's time that we went to sleep and wished our viewers, our listeners, a sweet good night as I whisper into their ear a final piece of wisdom. Mm-hmm. We all have ability. The difference is how we use it. That was Stevie Wonder. I like Stevie Wonder also. I think he's a cool guy. Um, he seems like a cool guy. <laughs> thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a comics and pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and Nick Protopapis. You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com, where you can send us letters or tell us about books you want covered on the show. Uh, you can find me on social media at my handle at Joby underscore draws. We'll be back next week with more Akira. Stay safe. See you next time. <laughs>